0: You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 035. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 35.
1: You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it
0: suck if I really talk like that? I'm Mr. Smith. I'll be hanging out on the show with you guys. So without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all around badass, just happens to be my beautiful bride, Amy E. Smith. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Joy Junkie Show. It's Amy here. I'm so excited for our guestie of the day. So... Um, as you know, we love to shoot the shit and kind of hang out a little bit beforehand. So let me introduce to you who our guest co-host is today. So not only is she a life coach, a mom, an author, a roller derby rebel, a hellraiser, but she also happens to be my best friend and a business partner. Uh, Andrea Owen is passionate about empowering women to value themselves and fiercely love who they are. She helps women get what they want by managing their inner critic, creating radical self-acceptance, and stepping into their own kick-ass version of themselves. So you can learn so much more about her at yourkickasslife.com.
1: Yay. Welcome, Andrea. Yay. I'm a guestie and a bestie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. So um, if you're new to the show, typically what we do is we bounce back and forth between life topics and love topics. So this week we have a pretty kick-ass life topic. So we're going to be talking about, in defense of bullshit, using hardship in our life for motivation. Um, But as you know, if you hang out with us, you know we like to warm up the mics and and actually kind of talk about shit that doesn't matter at all <laughs> <laughs> at the beginning, and, uh, and then we jump into some content. So how have you been, Andrea?
1: I'm good, and I'm so glad that we get this time because I haven't talked to you in a few days. So if for people that already know us and love us, they'll get – this is like a real inside conversation between you and I. Totally. So, okay. I have, some, I have something to update you on. Oh, So, you know, as you know, I saw you a couple weeks ago when I was out in California at my book signing. (laughs) At my book signing. (laughs) So no big deal. I love it. Uh, I love saying fancy things like that. Um, And I borrowed the insanity workout from you.
0: Oh, yes, yes, yes.
1: Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Have you puked yet? No, you must not have read my Facebook status this morning. So I said on Facebook this morning that now I know why they call it insanity because when you throw up in your mouth during a workout and you mm-hmm. say to yourself, this is fucking insanity. And then you
0: have to swallow it and you're like, and that was insanity.
1: It was. There is nothing kind of grosser than coffee and bacon and eggs. And oh, I given myself enough time between my breakfast and the workout. <laughs> Clearly I didn't. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but I like it. I like it. It's, um, it's hard, you know, like, like you said, it's, it's exhausting and my calves are killing me. Cause it's a lot of like plyometric and, yep. um, and, <laughs> and Jason and I, <laughs> okay. So my husband's name is Jason and he, when I first met him, he, you know, he was single. So he worked out a lot. He was rock climbing, mountain biking. Um, Running, he did all kinds of active things that single men do. <laughs> <laughs> he married me, and we have kids. We did the Ragnar relay series anyway. Um, he hasn't worked out in a while, and so I've been trying to get him to start working out with me again, and I've, I'm trying all these things to help him motivate and finally, I'm like, whatever um, but
0: he <laughs> did he try it? Did he try
1: insanity? Do it no he has he just like eats a donut and drinks coffee and, and watches me and, and I'm, <laughs> killing me. Like, I still want to control it. I'm like, do it anyway. But he's like, I will, I will. I'll, I'll, uh, but he, he does not want, he does not like me to boss him around because I'm so bossy. Yes. He likes to have some things for himself. So he wants it to be like, it was his idea, yes. you know? And so I, I'm done. I've completely let it go. I'm like, okay, you know, that's fine. I'm not going to mention it again, but it's been a hard workout. It's been fun though. I'm glad I'm doing it.
0: Yeah. It's definitely one of those things that makes you feel, um, Really proud of yourself that you accomplished it because it really is such a challenge. Um, I remember I did, I did another similar uh, workout program, and it was it was like that where it's really endurance based and it's it constant like cardio. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was starting to get like the dry heaves, but (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And like I was going to puke and I like actually went outside to my balcony and kind of was like, okay, okay. I'm at least safe if I have to puke. But I totally got to that point where I was so exhausted. I was kind of crying at the same time. (laughs) So I was like, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 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 like just (laughs) <laughs> like just oh my god gasping for air and then kind of crying like what the fuck did I do
1: I've never done that like <laughs> I, I, I had the dry heavings a lot the first couple of workouts. And then my last one yesterday, I didn't at all. So I was all cocky and proud of myself. Like, I'm like, uh, three days, I've got it. Like, I've got this shit down. And yep. then so today I was like trying a little bit harder and like really keeping up with them. And I'm like, I can do it. Look at that girl. She looks like she's 20 and I can do it. You know, and then all yes. of a sudden it's like, bleh. <laughs>
0: There's one, there's one of the, those DVDs where it, it's. I don't know if you've gotten it to it yet yeah. I think it's a little shorter It might only be like 39 minutes But there's no breaks Not one.
1: Oh my god and No I haven't It's, it's, it's I'm just only on not the first humanly week, possible so I think he, he eases us into it's it, it. Yeah. And Shanti is so cute He's so funny
0: He's like go and go And, and fit and down And like he'll say shit <laughs> That just doesn't ma- make sense I'm
1: like what? <laughs> he has a little bit of a lisp too Which I think is adorable
0: It's precious
1: I mm-hmm.
0: know it's so cute It's, it's so cute
1: so I want to hear all about your medieval times.
0: Oh yeah, I haven't I haven't shared that with the the junkies yet. So we we had an amazing just oh my god, an epic fucking adventure. And don't worry, Mr. Smith upgraded us to royalty status. So
1: <laughs> I would never expect anything less of
0: Mr. Smith. So we got so up close and personal with all these nights. We had the Yellow Knight. He almost took home the whole tournament. Uh, and we just we just had such a blast. And we totally just like cut a
1: rug. We were like in the center, you know. like So for people that don't know, I mean, I kind of think I know what it is. But explain exactly what Medieval Times is.
0: Well, I talked about this probably about four weeks ago or so in the show. And I was telling them that it's basically uh, – like a gigantic stadium theater in the round where there's six different knights that come out on horseback and they do this huge show for everybody who's in the, the stadium and you're assigned a specific knight that you cheer for. Okay. So, um, but it holds like thousands. It is so gigantic. It's set in a huge castle and there's a handful of them across the U S and uh, I think there's one in Canada as well. And it's just, it's just such a, I mean, they, they really did such a great job. And then we had, you know, our server was this cute little boy named Cody and he was so into it. And we were, of course, so inebriated already. And we're like, Cody, Cody rules, you know? And we were like, Cody, Cody, like screaming for our our server, your waiter. (laughs) And we were just like, and of course, Mr. Smith, thank you so much, Cody, for working on New Year's. We really appreciate it. And, you know. (laughs) Just so cute. So, but they hooked us up. Everybody got, like, this little mini bottle of uh, champagne to toast the New Year. They gave us, like, whistles and and all sorts of different things. And there was a dance party. And you could, like, meet the knight and meet the king and all that fun stuff. And so we had such a blast. It was such a good time. I'm, like, I'm all up for having it be a tradition every year. Mm-hmm. Um So – and then we ran into one of my acting buddies. He was there with his girlfriend and so we had a fun time dancing and – and I've told you before, the last time I had you on the show, I was talking about – we were – we had gone to a wedding and we were – dancing like crazy and that's the thing i love so much about dancing with mr smith is the switching of the genres so we were like going off salsa style because they did this whole like (laughs) hispanic mix you know and then we went to hip-hop and rap and so we're you know like busting a move so it's just so much fun (laughs) that's hilarious i love it i love it so what do you say we talk about um Getting into how to handle some hardship and some and,
1: shit that matters. So,
0: yeah, let's talk about some shit that matters. Okay. Oh, but actually, before I do that, I want to make sure that I tell all of you guys I have open registration right now that's going on for half off for my uh, signature program. I'm doing Badass 101 Live. This is the third time I've done it. It really is pretty, pretty damn transformational. <clears throat> but I wanted to be sure to let all of you guys know you can go check it out at the slash badass 101 I mean, it's pretty much absolutely everything that you that I know that I have poured into this program. You get 6 live coaching calls, 6 75-minute audio lessons, worksheets, $300 in bonuses. Not to mention it just completely transforms your entire life, how you speak to yourself, identifying who you are in this world, the things that you want. There's an entire goal-setting program piece of it. And right now it is half off of what it's going to retail for. So please go check it out if you know you need to really get your shit together for the new year. Now's the time. And it's it's such a great alternative if you can't afford working one-on-one with a coach or a therapist or it's a it's a really really awesome opportunity to band together with a bunch of other people creating a pretty kick-ass new year so that's all I'm going to say about that be sure to go check it out okay so let's let's get into this what do you think Andrea what are some of the most common ways that you see people respond to hardship in their lives
1: I think I think it depends. Like, are you talking like big shit or little shit? I'm assuming you're talking like big shit. Well,
0: usually big stuff like getting, you know, either major illness, loss of a job, loss of a spouse, a partnership, mm-hmm. friendship, <clears throat> I'd say probably bigger stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, I think the natural response, obviously, is to be anywhere from disappointed to complete devastation, which I think is totally normal. I mean, you wouldn't be a human being if you didn't have those feelings. And... Uh, but I think that the problem lies in what you take away from it and, 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 or if you stay there. So, and that's always a choice. That's really, really always a choice. I mean, I've been through some pretty hard stuff and, <clears throat> and really what it was about. I mean, this was stuff that like I did not think I could, that I was going to walk away from alive. Yeah. <laughs> and it really was about, taking a stand, like, drawing the line in the sand and saying, like, okay, this happened. I can't change my circumstances, but I am bound and determined to get through it. And you know what's interesting? You know, in retrospect, a lot of me getting through what I went through, the motivation was to prove to everyone else that I would get through it. Hmm. And I think people, like, people took so much pity on me. And plus, you know, when I went through my divorce, like, I wanted to prove to my ex that I would come out on top and I don't know if that's really a healthy motivation and it wasn't my only motivation by any means, but it, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't part of it. So that, that was actually really helpful,
0: yeah. <laughs> carried me through some hard times. Yeah. Well, it, I think what, you know, when you were talking about it being a circumstance, I think that's really key because I think one of the things that I see a lot is people feel like it's life happening to them, like they've become this victim to circumstance and situations. And they start to say, you know, this – this is who I am. I am this divorce. I am this job loss. I, you know, and they identify so much with it that they allow it to permeate kind of every area of their life. And then, you know, I know we've talked about this a lot in the classes we teach. Then you start searching for evidence. That's what I see big time, you know, mm-hmm. is people looking for more evidence of how shitty things are. So, you know, I we're definitely going to share with you some ways to kind of combat that. But I would love for you to kind of talk a little bit more about really your your horrible situations that you went through and because uh, I just think that's so relatable um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and to see somebody
1: who came out of it. Yeah, so what happened was so when I was when I was seventeen, I started dating this guy and when I was thirty, you know at that point we had been together for many years. we'd been together we had been married for two of those years. He had an affair with our neighbor and got her pregnant. And so it was – you know, I was devastated. He wasn't in love with me anymore. He told me. It wasn't like, I hope you forgive me. Can we kind of work on this? Which I probably – you know, looking back, I, I might have. I might have tried to figure out how we were going to make that work. Yeah. Um, but no, he was in love with his other woman. He asked for a divorce and, and you know, just as, as hard was – being sort of pushed out of this family unit that I had been with for 13 years. You know, his parents were my parents. He had a big family that I was very close to. I had, I had practically grown up with that family and all of a sudden it was like, sorry, you can't come over anymore you can't come to our birthday parties you know one of his brothers was getting married I got uninvited to their wedding it was oh, it was just like all it was like blow after blow after blow I felt like that boxer that's like kind of already been knocked out and is like going down in the ring and the his opponent just keeps hitting him but like, nobody's intervening yeah it just it was bad and, and so, you guys
0: were originally you guys were actually planning on trying to conceive too yes, right so you we were. were all in we're starting a family mode
1: I had it all planned out <clears throat> you know I was a con- absolute control freak and I had everything planned out I, I had it I had my goals printed out and like hanging up by my computer bullet pointed by season I'm not kidding that's how I was so because I was also back in school And um, so it was like this semester I was going to do this, this semester we would conceive and then I would have the baby like I had it all planned out, like I had just enough birth control pills. I had like three more packs of birth control pills and then I was going to be done and we were going to start trying and that's when when shit hit the fan. So yeah, I was 30 and I was alone for the first time and I pretty much like this other woman took my place in this family and it was all very awkward for them too. I'm not going to say it was like super awesome for them. It was terrible. And then right after that, I I should have taken that time to start healing and and really work on myself, quote unquote, but I didn't. I started, I I signed up for match.com and I started dating because that's what, that's all I knew. I I only knew relationships. So I started dating, dated a couple of really nice, normal guys. I have some funny stories from that. And then I met this guy who was intense and he was, Charming and tall and handsome and um, a couple dates in he told me he loved me and could totally see himself spending the rest of my life with you know the rest of our lives together and have children together and <clears throat> I was hooked I was in love with him and it was very intense and that's all I was used to so then he had cancer and then he quit oh his job God. and then he wasn't you know talking to his family anymore and then I started isolating myself from all my girlfriends and, and really just spent all my time with him, helping him. And then I started to get suspicious and think something's up. Like my gut the whole time was telling me something is wrong here. Like this is not what it <laughs> – what you see is not what you get. So um, a, f- a few months in, I found out that he had a drug problem. And so I thought, you know, it must have happened like when he got diagnosed with cancer. Several months later, it turns out he didn't have cancer. He was lying the whole time about having cancer, and <clears throat> and um, was a drug addict. And I had been funding his drug problem because I thought we were getting medication for his cancer. Going down to Tijuana, Mexico, to get it. He sent me down there by myself. Like the whole story wow. is crazy. It, it is a is. lifetime movie. Like going down to Tijuana at ten o'clock at night, me in my Banana Republic outfit, like my work outfit, like Ugh. going to these like these back alleys. I'm not kidding you. Like, <laughs> It was so scary. The whole time my intuition is like, get the fuck out of here. What are you doing? And then him being mad at me when I said I wouldn't go and it was horrible. So finally, it all came crumbling down. He had agreed to go to rehab and uh, we were going to – because he agreed to go to rehab, I really had so much faith that we could work it out. And um, I had quit my job. I worked for the American Council on Exercise. I loved my job. And I had gotten out of my lease early, my apartment that I had in Encinitas with one of my really good girlfriends because we were going to move to Northern California to be closer to his family whom I had never met and um, we were going to live happily ever after. Of course. So hysterical for me to think that like I thought that. And then while he was in rehab, he met another addict and fell in love with her and um, cheated on me with her and then that's when it was finally over. That's when it was finally – and it was like a almost a year to the day after I had found out that my husband was having an affair. So it was a really dark place for me. And I finally, I mean, I had that moment where I was like crying in a ball on my bedroom floor, which had no furniture in it anymore. It was in storage. And um, I had no job and I was, and like, I had no money because had siphoned like $7,000 for me. I was really like, what the fuck have I done? You know, I, it was the for the first time, I took radical responsibility for what I had tolerated because my intuition had told me that whole time that something was wrong right. and said to get out. And I didn't. I was so desperate for love. I was so desperate to be seen. and and that's all I knew. And so and and really, I that's when i I kind of it was one of those, like on my knees praying that, for things to turn around because I knew that this isn't, there was like that tiny voice that said, this is not who you are. This is not your destiny. You are meant for so much more than this. And I just prayed and said like, I don't know what it is, but I know it's not this. And can you help me figure this out? And from then on is really when I put myself on the fast track to self help and really picked myself up off the ground and kind of said, fuck this shit. I'm yeah. over it. I'm done with this and please guide me to a better way. So that's when I started buying self-help books and started I signed up with CTI then and and started my own journey and it's I I you know, I can't say how, I never looked back because I look back often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it really but I haven't gone back there. I haven't. I mean that was really the end of it. That was my rock bottom. Yeah. Well, you know, something that you said that I think is really
0: so indicative of what a lot of people do when they start having hardship or trials is they search out the thing that brings them the fastest, the the, the most amount of comfort the fastest. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we do that completely unconsciously or unaware. So for you, you were like, okay, what will make me feel better? Oh, dating. Again. A relationship. Like, a get, like go after that. And so for, mm-hmm. for a lot of people, you know, we probably have a vice like, okay, I tend to turn towards drinking or I tend to turn towards um, codependency or I tend mm-hmm. to uh, turn to victimhood or gambling or over excessive spending. So I think that, it, first of all, to really recognize that that's normal. It's our natural inclination to want the hurt to stop. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to go to a different feel-good place. And so we'll go wherever we know that that's a sure thing.
1: Yeah, but the second I had several. I mean, yeah. I didn't just have the relationship. It was, it was literally like falling down a black hole, grasping at anything. And for me, it was a relationship. It was alcohol. It was um, codependence, and it was an eating disorder. It was a mixture of all of those. It was a rough year. <laughs> it was really unhealthy.
0: But I think that's that is a, such a great example of. Of how we want pain to stop so fast, mm-hmm. like we re- we're searching, we're hungry, and that's mm-hmm. why people will jump from addiction to addiction. You right. know, and they'll go, oh, okay." So, I realize that alcoholism isn't working. I need to, you know, mm-hmm. nip that in the bud, and then something else will come up, and that's why you know you and I, what we talk about so much in coaching and in, in self help, is to to handle the internal shit because what we inevitably do is continue to look for external answers until right. we heal internally um which is really what i'm getting from you that mm-hmm. you know that's really where you had to had to get to is like okay it's not an external answer
1: that's right. going to make me feel better i tried them all trust me i did and none of them worked and i was kind of pissed <laughs> right <laughs> I was like- I was like what do you mean being skinny isn't going to solve all my problems? What do you mean having this tall handsome charming boyfriend isn't going to, you know, be my prince charming?
0: Right. And
1: and it was really scary. It was so scary to get to a place where I I was at I was at the end of my rope and I really had to look inside and see why I was doing all of this and it was not pretty at all. It wasn't it, it just it was a, it was a really hard time and I I could not have asked – you know, CTI came to me at such a great time and and I didn't know. I felt like I would go and learn about like how to coach other people. I didn't know it would be so life transformational for me. Right. Um, I know. Me either. And um, CTI and is the coaching
0: school we went to, by the way.
1: Yes. Uh, the Coaches Training Institute. And so, you know, that was part of why I it I, it was so spread out for me, you know, all of my courses. Most people do it in six months. It took me uh, about 18 months. I took some breaks in between there. So It was, it was. I I, I say that I put myself on the fast track because I, I had to, you know, I don't do anything really. I don't do very many things half assed. So when I'm really going after something, I really go for it. And that's what I did. I just, it gained momentum. It was like once I had a breakthrough about something, like I was fascinated with why I was behaving a certain way. Like, oh, that's why. That's why I was turning to men, because I didn't know how to love myself. What is this self-love that you speak of? You mean you mean it's not other somebody else's it's not my parents or my boyfriend or husband's responsibility to make me feel loved? Like that's the kind of stuff that fascinated me. Yeah. And I wanted to know more and more. I was hungry for, you know, you know, once I came stepped over onto the other side. I was absolutely fascinated with it. I'm not going to say it was easy. It was some hard shit. Well,
0: yeah, because (laughs) it it, was amazing. I always say that it's like, um, you know, having these different rooms in your house that you never open the door. You never turn the lights on because it's a bunch of shit that we've been keeping, you know, but the very first step is actually turning the light on because then you can go, okay, there's all these body image issues in that corner. There's Mm -hmm. all these parental issues in that corner. And now that I'm actually fucking looking at it, now I can decide what to do with it. But you can live forever with that shit just piling up in your life. Yeah. You know, and never actually looking at it. But, it, you know, it usually gets painful before it gets, you know, therapeutic and healing. Um, And Mm -hmm. I think that's why a lot of people will choose darkness, you know? Yeah. It's their
1: comfort zone, and sure. it's, and, and it's some somewhere along the way, we get comfortable being uncomfortable. And, and I think that everyone's journey is different. And you know, I'm not here to tell you that it's your time. I don't know if it is or not. I mean, I went through. For, for I guess I had a, just a really high pain tolerance in that area of my life in relationships before before I drew the line in the sand. But it looks different for everyone else. And only you'll know. Only you'll know if if you're ready to to move out of it. But know that. And I think it was Brooke um, Castillo that said this to us, Amy, in an interview. Like, you can't, like, once you turn the lights on in your dirty kitchen, like, you can't turn them back off and just pretend like it doesn't exist. Right. So, living with that was tough. Like, once I started to see it, I couldn't just go back to the way I was and pretend it just wasn't going to work for me. That was more painful than actually dealing with it.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, I think you know one of one of the reasons why I really wanted to have this topic and why I wanted to look at like in defense of this, like why is it important for us to go through hardship and how can we actually use it for motivation? um, it, It is because I have always felt very strongly that the you know the the tumult and the contrast in our life is really important so that we can experience the opposite. So that we can really stand in gratitude for when we surmount these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would love for for kind of both of us to bounce back and talk about some tips or suggestions of what you can do. Like if you really have found yourself in the middle of extreme hardship, even minimal hardship, and you're kind of locked into a specific perspective about, um, you know, it, it typically it shows up as victimhood or you know, woe is me. Look at the, look at my situation. So I really want to kind of share with everybody how to kind of switch that and use it because obviously you're such a great example of how you have used that to create fulfillment in your life instead of being, you know, I always say it's a survivor versus victim. So mm-hmm. um, why don't you share a couple of
1: things? Well, I'm a big fan of mantras and, you know, questions to ask yourself. And <clears throat> I love the mantra, all all wisdom is healed pain and, and you know, I know that. Ooh, <laughs> I could not I love that. I could not be where I am um without all the, the pain that I've been through. I, I could not I couldn't be here. I wasn't born this way. And um I love sometimes I just and I love the you know, the traditional ones like this two shall pass and um the universe only gives you what you can handle. And yep. And, and if you were given it to, you know, if it was if it was given to you, then then the universe knew that you could you could take it, and it's your choice what to do with it. So, um, you know, apparently the universe thinks that I am very responsible. <laughs> With what I'm going to do. But sometimes I have to laugh at it, you know, and like not in the midst of it, not when it's really hard. But, you know, when I was going through this last year, when I was going through my book deal and that was super exciting and a dream come true, my son was also, um, we were going through evaluations and testing for autism. And so – and sometimes literally stuff would happen on the same day. Like we got a notice. We had a conversation with his preschool teacher the very first time when she dropped the bomb and said, I really think that you need to get him tested, was the same day I got a notification that I had a book deal. So it was mm-hmm. – you know, I sometimes I just laugh and I'm just like, really, universe? Like <laughs> I look up at the sky and I just – I have to kind of just shake my head and laugh and sort of shake my fist in the air. And and just it – it is like it, – it's just funny to me sometimes. The shit that comes down in my lap, it just – and it always seems to happen right when I feel like I have my shit together. You know, I get a little cocky and I'm like, yep. this is awesome. And then something gets thrown at me. Um, my mom got sick this year and it, it's just – stuff happens and I have to just kind of Feel what I'm going to feel and then try if I can when it's appropriate and it feels okay to use humor.
0: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we were actually talking about that um, a week or so ago with Kira, who I know you know. And um, she said, feel and the, oh, I can't remember what she said, but she had quoted somebody else, but you feel it and then you deal with it or something like, or you feel it and then you heal it. So uh-huh. it, it kind of in that order, because if you're right in the middle of shit crumbling down, you need to give yourself that that time to feel it, you know uh-huh. and process it instead of what we tend to do, which is hide from the emotion, hide from feeling it and uh I don't know if I've ever really shared this with with this community before, but um, I know you've heard this a million times, Andrea, but I lost my uh, father in oh seven. And he passed away, you know, directly in front of my face. Like I kind of witnessed it. And I really – that was really the most uh, devastating thing that I had ever gone through ever in my entire life. And I I remember feeling like, okay, I'm really at a juncture here. Like I can either allow this to define my life and who I am or – I can choose to be defined by how I deal with it. Like I'm at choice here. I don't have to be in the depths of despair forever. Mm-hmm. And I still to this day think because I looked grief straight in the face and I plowed through it. Like I let myself cry. I let myself do whatever I needed to do to really truly feel it. And and some members of my family didn't do that. And I, I can really see the effects of that. But I really think that's one of the reasons why I got through it faster than – some other people may have have with uh, dealing with grief type situations was because I was like, I'm going to fucking feel this Mm
1: -hmm. and then
0: I'm going to heal, you know, then I'm going to choose how I'm going to view this circumstance.
1: I've Um, heard that therapists call grief the, the healing feeling.
0: How interesting. I I believe it. Mm -hmm. I absolutely believe it.
1: And it's just, it's such a hard emotion that many times we don't deal with it. We numb it out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So what else? Do you have more, any more tips or anything under there? Nope. I'm all out. See you later. I'm fresh out. (laughs) Cool. So I've got, I've got a couple of, uh, it's funny because they're quite parallel to your, your mantra. Um, but I basically got four things. The first thing, you know, if you really are finding yourself in extreme hardship, remind yourself that this is a circumstance or a situation. It does not have to define who you are. If it's a circumstance or a situation, it can be changed. You know, it you can move past this. There will be an end. And I think a lot of times we look at we look at it in such a micro view versus a meta view and we look at like, oh my God, this will never change. You know, mm-hmm. we can't see past our grief or our pain. And sometimes I just find it comforting to look at, okay, this will be finite. This I, – I can move past this. There will be a
1: brighter day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I love that because it's just really like – it sounds like it's just the conversation that you're having with yourself. Tr- oh, truly. So many of these. Absolutely. Um, second, I was thing- joking, by okay. the way, about not having any more. I do have more.
0: <laughs> oh, you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So I was like, okay, let me take over now. I was
1: really like, trying to be funny and it went right over your head. <laughs> oh,
0: my God. I – thought you were just being funny that you really only had one okay okay, no. so, so go then go and I'll I probably it. have some of the same as yours probably so I'll go first go oh. <laughs> bossy bossy this is bossy. what happens when you have two bossy people
1: <laughs> no I well in this one I think d- is not good for when you're in it when you're in the thick of it but more so like when you're kind of coming out of it and it was super helpful to me and that's looking back and and really taking an inventory about of, of what I learned from the situation and for especially for relationships it, it was a great opportunity for me to sit down and say okay what uh do I not want to do anymore you know yeah. what what was I tolerating I was I was tolerating not listening to my intuition I was tolerating a very codependent relationship on both of our parts, I had attracted exactly what I had put out there. So like I said, I I had dated guys that were nice and normal and I just wasn't ready for them at all. And actually, I had met Jason – no, I take that back. We hadn't met in person, but we were emailing back and forth right when I met the cancer, Mr. Cancer. and um, Faux cancer. (laughs) Faux cancer. Faux cancer McGee. (laughs) I won't use his real name. Okay. Um, and Jason and I, Jason was traveling for work a lot, so we weren't able to meet. And and then I started getting into the relationship with faux cancer. So and I I I always tell him I'm like I'm so glad I didn't meet you then because I would have chewed you up and spit you out. I was not ready for you. Yeah. And um and so it kind of all worked out, <clears throat> but. But really, you know, I I had attracted that exact person back to me, and 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 like instantly on the first date, I was all starry eyed and little hearts like bloop, bloop. It, it was it was oh my gosh, like I it was such a classic love addicted example uh, that whole first date, um and and just really it was an it, it was an invitation for me to see. Because I had saw exactly what I didn't want to happen and didn't want to kind of manifest in my life, I got to see the other side. Like you were saying, the polarity of it. And what do I want in my life? And what do I want in a relationship? And and so much more importantly, how am I going to show up? How am I going to be a better person in relationships? What do I need to own where I am unhealthy? And it was a lot of shit. So – um that was, that was an enormous lesson for me and, I, and to this day, I look at that whole year, you know, a little bit longer than a year, as an enormous gift to who I am as a woman, as a wife, as a mother, as a business owner because it was a huge lesson in what I don't want and how I don't want to show up in the world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that really comes down to choice, choice of perspective because mm-hmm. you could you could not easily choose something different than that right um, but if you choose learning
1: you will find learning if you choose mm-hmm. victimhood
0: you will find victimhood yep
1: absolutely yeah and it's it's also you know to tag on to that because it goes so well with what you just said is <clears throat> is really and you've pointed this out and and i 'm not even sure if I, I noticed it until a while ago is is how I choose to tell the story and and for a long time, and it 's okay because I needed to be there, but for a long time, I told that story from a place of victimhood and poor me, and I was still bitter and resentful. I had to forgive both of those men for what they did to me. I had to forgive myself for how I behaved during that time and once once that happened. I was propelled into telling that story as my testimony and and part of who I am and and what made me a stronger person because I had a lot of shame around that story too like I was in, I was humiliated For people are always surprised when they when they hear that. But I was humiliated over being cheated on and and what happened. I was I was embarrassed about the relationship that I had stayed in with with faux cancer when I knew (laughs) he had a drug problem. And then, you know, thinking it could it could all be better. I was I was ashamed of who I had become and, and where I had let myself go. So I really had to look back at that that part of my life and love myself and just and, and realize like I was, in a, I was in a not great place. I was, I was not in a self-loving place at all. And and I just was so desperate for, for love and, and affection and attention. And that's just the way it was then. So it really, again, so my point is, what did you learn from it? And, and sometimes I hate this statement, it's so coachy, but what's the gift in all of it? And again, that's not really a perspective that you can probably shift to until you start to come out of the mud.
0: Yes. Yes, that's exactly right. Because it's um, remember when when you were dealing with everything with Colton and you were like, if one person tells me he's still the same son, you know, you're <laughs> like, I'm gonna fucking punch them in the throat. <laughs> yes. Because you were in the middle of it, you were in the I place in where the you needed to feel what you feel. You know, you're mm-hmm. not in the yeah. what is the lesson yet. You're in the pissed off that this is my situation point.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and it's I and mean, it's it's interesting. Like I love the work of Brene Brown, and she. Um, someone made a cute little cartoon video as, as in an um and put it to an excerpt of what she was saying, and she was talking about empathy and um and that's exactly what she was saying. so the people that were saying like, well, at least you know it could be worse. I got people telling me that it could be worse. um you know, at least he doesn't have you know another disorder and all this other stuff and That was such the wrong response. Like, I just needed people to pat me on the head and say, I'm so sorry you're dealing with this. It totally sucks. I'm glad you told me. Like, things like that because, um, yeah, it was a a rough time. But like you said, like, I needed to go through what I needed to go through and I'm out of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Yeah, I – I'm cur- do you have more before I jump in? Oh,
1: mm-hmm. I, I'm sure I do, but no, your turn.
0: Take over. Take the floor. This is the Joy Junkie show, by the way, Guesty. <laughs> Ew. Oh, that's, show. that's what I always tell Mr. Smith. I'm like, don't get it twisted. This is not the Mr. Smith show. <laughs> um, but one thing I think that we haven't quite addressed, and I think it's really important, is looking at self-care through all of it. Um because I think I think we can tend to uh, in the midst of those things, and really your story was so such a good example of this is we can start to try to caretake for ourselves with things that are are really damaging um, and I I do think there is definitely something to be said for taking the low road every once in a while, like mm-hmm. eating, eating all the. Hagen dos that you can, or drinking a little bit too much, or whatever it is. You know, we all have those human hall pass moments, but I think it's when it becomes habitual that's when we really have to watch out for it. So the way that you are self medicating, the way you are trying to comfort or heal yourself, is that in service of your greater good. You know, will that actually help you surmount this obstacle, or does it keep you keep you locked into um, this uncomfortable feeling? And Part of that, and we've talked about this a little bit already, is looking at how you're identifying yourself. Are you talking about yourself like a victim and a martyr? Are you trying to collude with other people who are also going through hardship? You know, I've had a couple of people in my life who they are so locked into that perspective. It's like whenever you ask them, like, hey, how are you doing? They can never say good or well. They never can. They have Mm -hmm. to talk about the shit. And that's a choice. That's a choice. And I I really – Personally, I've been going through some stuff just with my own health and I've been, you know, I told my husband, I'm like, I really want to work on not focusing on my physical ailments. Like, I don't want to be one of those people that every time you ask them how they're doing, they just want to talk to you about how shitty things are. That's Mm -hmm. a choice. You can choose to use it to motivate you or you can choose to have yourself be locked into this current, this current perspective.
1: Well, can I tag onto that one? Of course. I think that it's super important also is who you surround yourself with. Yes. And <clears throat> I think that um, – <clears throat> excuse me. I think that I'm still maybe having some throw up in my mouth from my insanity.
0: Nice. A little bacon, a little <laughs> coffee. Gross.
1: But, um, I, you know, when I was going through what I was going through, there was one person in particular that was, you know, one of my key players in my life that, that really allowed me to go down into the depths of my grief and, and really just wasn't healthy for me at all. And this person cared about me a lot, but this person just didn't have the tools to, um, to help herself really to, and to help me. And, and and I felt myself just not feeling good around that person. And and so I, I invite you to to take inventory of that. You know, first of all, who are the five key players in your life? I ask so many people that, my clients and and um, you know, friends and family, and and do they make you feel good? You know, I'm not I'm not saying that these need to be fixers, because those can can be hard to be around too. My husband is one of them. Yes. <laughs> That's Stop fixing <laughs> yeah. But just, you know, people that that really that are they are invested in your well-being and they they will allow you to feel what you need to feel but at the same time they won't they, they they want to bring out your higher self whatever that looks like for you and and whenever that is and so just really think about that who are the key players and and I can't tell you how much my life has changed it's not like I hung out with assholes all the time before but but I wasn't exactly particular um there might have been some assholes <laughs> that, I hung out with that were just like the bad girls but <laughs> I hope they're better now, but you know, like you know, having you in my life and having some of my colleagues and just, I'm, I'm very particular about who I spend the majority of my time with now. And I've had to set boundaries that are, were really difficult to set and have uncomfortable conversations and, and um, you know, people have done the same to me over the years. So it just, what I think the bottom line there is for me is really think about who you spend your time with and do they make you feel good or not.
0: It's so important. It's so important. That actually is such a perfect segue to uh, another recommendation that I had, which is to get support. You know, if, if you're looking around and your immediate group of support system um, is lacking, like let's say you take the inventory and you're looking around and you're going, oh my gosh, they are, they like to collude or mm-hmm. they want, you know, they want to one up me about how shitty their situation is or I never feel better when I'm around them um, start actively creating something new for yourself. I, I know you've said a million times, Andrea, that, that your therapist during that time of your divorce was so imperative and crucial to your growth and your healing.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: if you're in that space, you guys don't be a fucking hero, reach out, get support, hire a coach, hire a therapist, go talk it out, get a part of a group or, um, at the very least read a book that is about getting through you know really challenging obstacles Um, it really truly is so important what you input into your life at this juncture
1: Mm -hmm. yeah for sure I had a a really great therapist that, that knew me if your first therapist isn't great, keep trying because yes. you know it takes a while to resonate with the right one. Um, I have kind of a funny quick story about, <clears throat> about that time when I went to a support group. So I – like I said, I was on the fast track. Like I went to Codependence Anonymous. I was in a 12-step program. I was seeing my therapist regularly. I was reading um, self-help. I was starting to reach out to my girlfriends again. And and I was like on um, online support groups and I went to – I went to a divorce support group. Oh my God. So (laughs) it was all about, so I, I will, I remember it so well. So it was like one of two things, either everyone just like went around the room and told their horrible heartbreaking story, which was just sad. And then it made me feel like shit because mine like was kind of as bad, but I was also the youngest person there. So Uh, two of the women were telling their story and they were like, so my husband's been having an affair with this 30-year-old blonde woman and like everyone's eyes kind of shift over to me. (laughs) And I'm like, what? You're like, it's not me, Jesus. (laughs) It's not me, dude. Same thing happened to me. Fuck you. (laughs) And then there was this guy that was like, Like kind of attractive, who and he was the only guy in the group, and he was like kind of giving eyes to the women, and he had a Bible, and he was like, like, and I'm I'm a Christian, like I'm a good Christian girl, like I love me some scripture sometimes, but it was just, (laughs) and he was like reading scripture, and I was like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever been to. (laughs) <laughs> Moral of the story: Try, try, but sometimes they don't work out.
0: <laughs> well, and it's true. I think that's such a great. It's so I'm so glad you brought that up because a lot of times what we will do, especially when when we're dealing with extreme hardship, is whatever we try, if it doesn't work, our internal critic will go, "See, see, yeah, there isn't help crazy. available. <laughs> see, everybody out there is stupid. See, that therapist is lame. See, it's not going to work out. And it's it's all about." perspective, you know, and okay, well now I'm one step closer to finding what will work for me. Mhm. Yeah, that one didn't. <laughs> yeah, that one was no good. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> They're like, and that's the girl who cheated.
1: I know. I was, well, and you know, what I did walk away with from that group though was I did learn that um a couple of the women their stories were similar to mine in that their husband had had, a, had an affair early on in the marriage. And they forgave them and like never went and got any kind of help or anything like that. And then they did it again. You know, after they had kids and the kids were teenagers and then that's why they were there. So I definitely saw myself. I saw myself if it, if I had tried to make it work and we didn't try to work on the marriage, if we just kept going and I stayed the same, then I would probably be in a similar situation. So that's what I walked away with from those two times I went to that support group.
0: <laughs> and But again, I mean, such an, a great example of you chose to find the learning there. Mm-hmm. That's the choice, like, and so that's why we're always talking about that here. Is realizing what is in your power. There's actually so much that's actually in your power. Um, yeah. So that's great. D- do you have any final thoughts or anything that you want to share? Or just kind of say, here's what I want you to know.
1: Yeah, I think <clears throat> the one thing is that is the. It's really the power of, of vulnerability, and 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 really, um, for me. When when shit went down, and like I was just saying, I was so embarrassed and I just I was afraid to show my face. And that's really one of the reasons that I isolated from my girlfriends. But what I learned, you know, coming out on the other side is that everybody has really hard times. Everybody has really hard stuff that we deal with, whether it's the death of a parent or divorce or a bad relationship or anything, physical ailments. And it is it's not helpful to isolate. So really, really reach out to your friends and and don't stop doing that because I know for me, isolation is very dangerous. Um, I think i'm 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 an extrovert by nature, but when stuff gets hard, I tend to isolate. and so so just if that's you, really, just to reach out to your friends and find the ones that you think can really help you and um and and help you start to move forward. Yeah, that's great.
0: That's awesome. And I would really love for you to share with everybody where
1: they can find more of you. I'm all over the internet. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I'm at yourkickasslife.com. And yeah, if you go to yourkickasslife.com forward slash free, I have a bunch of free stuff that you can download. And um, I'm on Facebook. I'm everywhere. Find me. And you have uh, another podcast too. I do. I have – I'm not as diligent as you are though. I don't. It's not weekly. I haven't done it for like a few weeks now. But I do it and it's, it's um, minor short little wisdom nuggets and I love doing it. Sometimes I have co-hosts. Sometimes I don't and it's super fun. It's The Orchid Cast Live podcast on awesome. iTunes. And
0: we did mention uh, earlier that you have recently authored a book. You guys, this book. <laughs> How many copies have you guys bought? <laughs> I think in our household we've bought – I think we bought 10 or 11. Yeah. Something like that. Um, but yeah, definitely giving it an out. You can find it on Amazon. It's called uh actually go to Andrea's site and you'll be able to click the link there. Um but yeah, fifty two ways to live a kick ass life. Like, seriously, who doesn't need that? So it you know, but it is also a really great thing if um you know, if you're new to this, like like you were talking about when you just needed to like start devouring information, it can be really intimidating to just walk into a therapist or a coach and just air all your shit. So sometimes uh-huh. grabbing a book like that and just opening the door to betterment is the best thing that you can do for yourself. So check yeah. that out. Yeah. Cool. And if you're, you're interested in, in a little bit more community and fuller support, I would highly suggest checking out Badass 101. Um, again cruise by the site thejoyjunkie.com forward slash badass 101 you can see all the details um, and the half off plus all the bonuses and all of that stuff is only going to be going on for a short short time longer so be sure to check it out sooner than later so i think that that is everything as always we would love iTunes reviews that helps us out tremendously uh So I think that's it. Andrea, thank you so, so much for being with us. Here is to loving and living your most badass life.
1: Andrea and Amy signing off.